Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Now, next Sunday and the following weeks through the month of February, uh, we'll be, of course, uh, emphasizing the subject of missions, different aspects of missions. And so after today, uh, we'll take about a month break. Then, Lord willing, back in March, we'll get right back into uh, Romans chapter 12. Uh, but we are continuing preaching on our theme right behind us there on the wall, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And uh, I've been chasing that word, that thought through the Scripture as far as uh, victory, faith, overcoming. And I'm going to tell you, the Scripture is filled with those types of things, those types of principles. Uh, Romans chapter 12, if you found your place, stand with me uh, for the reading of God's Word. And I'm going to read uh, for you uh, just two verses. And uh, the first verse we're going to read is verse 3. And then we're going to read down the last verse of the chapter, verse 21. The Bible says this, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then down in verse 21, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. God, again, we're thankful to allowed to be here in your house. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just uh, being with us. Lord, we again sense your presence. Uh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for being amongst us. And I pray now that, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, that you'd uh, please speak to hearts. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would allow the preaching of the word of God to change us and help us and make us better for you. And then, Lord, I can't read hearts. I don't know, uh, uh, Lord, who is saved and not saved. Lord, I I know I've heard a lot of testimony as folks that are saved, but Lord, it's very uh, quite possible there is someone here today that's not saved. And Lord, I pray that through the preaching of Your Word, You draw them to Yourself. Put them under uh, old, uh, old Holy Spirit conviction. And Lord, I pray that if a lost person is here today, they would accept You before it's eternally too late. Bless us, we pray. We thank You for it. We ask it in Your precious and holy name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, last week, uh, we looked at verses 1 and 2. And the premise of this, this, these messages are coming from verse 21, where the Bible says to be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that word overcome is a very interesting word. It means to subdue, prevail, get the victory. And folks, listen to me. As Christians, that's the attitude, that's the spirit we ought to be having in the Christian life. Uh, we ought to be winning way more than we're losing. Amen. Uh, God has equipped us. He's given us all the power, all the strength that we need. Uh, He's given us His Word. He's given us the armor of God to put on. There's no reason as Christians we're not winning. Amen. And so we are to overcome. Now we looked at that verse, verse 21, and we noticed several things about that verse. First of all, we said this, that the Christian life is a warfare. Amen. It's a warfare. And we need to have the right mindset about it. Because let me say this, folks, the enemy has the right mindset about it. Alright? And uh, those that are working for the enemy have the right mindset about it. And as Christians, we can't afford to walk around with our spiritual heads in the sand, not knowing what's really going on. And let me tell you what's really going on, folks. It's a fight between good and evil. And you know what? Every single one of us is on a side. And if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, by default, you're automatically on the enemy's side. So we said the Christian life is a warfare. We said this, evil has the ability to prevail against us. Notice what the verse said, again, verse 21, be not overcome of evil. 
Again, the word overcome means to subdue, prevail, get the victory. So that means this, evil has the ability to get the victory over us. Okay? And then then we looked at this, good has the ability to overcome evil. And aren't you thankful for that, by the way? Amen? Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, God does everything for a reason, everything for a purpose. And verse 21 is a command, by the way. But let me tell you what verses 1 through 20 are. They are the how-to steps to overcome evil with good. That's exactly what it is. By the way, folks, God doesn't just tell us to do something. He tells us how to do it. Amen? And that's, uh, that's the practical application part found all throughout the Word of God. So what we're doing is we're preaching through chapter 12, and we're looking at the practical steps on how to overcome evil. Last week, we looked at the first two verses, and I gave you three ways uh, based upon verse 1 and 2 on how to overcome evil. They were the three shuns that we talked about. First of all is salvation. Amen? And you're never going to come evil overcome if you're not on the right side. Number two, we talked about consecration. And that is the, the step in our Christian lives where we set things aside and dedicate ourselves to God and His purposes. And then we talked about transformation. And so that's what we talked about last week. So today, we're going to look at verse 3 and look at the next step on how to overcome evil. And here's the subject matter this morning. You ready for this? Biblical thinking patterns. Amen? Biblical thinking patterns. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, this battle we're facing is not a flesh and blood battle. Amen? It's a battle in the spirit world. And let me tell you what the devil's number one place he tries to attack us, it's right up here. Amen? It's the gray matter between the two things we call ears, right? It's right up here in the mind. I'm going to tell you, folks, the battle is for the mind. And all throughout the Scripture, you find principle after principle after principle telling us as Christians on how to deal with the right type of thinking in our Christian lives. Your mind plays a key role in your spiritual life. And by the way, folks, it's the key to spiritual victory and overcoming evil. And the devil knows it. He targets it. There is a planned satanic attack to destroy the minds of a civilization and the the minds of Christians. By the way, it's working. I mean, come on, folks, look around. Can you even believe the things that are considered normal anymore? And what they consider abnormal? You know who the abnormal ones are? Us, according to the world. By the way, thank God they think we're abnormal. If they, listen, if you fit in with the world and, and they're okay with your life and the way you're living, you're not living according to the Word of God, I can tell you that. The Bible calls this a wicked and adulterous generation. And that's exactly where we're living at. And folks, listen, I'm not talking about being against people. For the most part, most people are deceived. I do believe there are certain people out there that know exactly what they're doing. And you know what? The, the ones that are pulling all the strings, and they're the ones that are behind all this. But for the most part, the masses are deceived. And you know what they need? They need the light of the glorious gospel to illuminate them. And that's why we as Christians come in. Amen? But if we're ever going to help anybody else, folks, listen, we got to figure out how to get this thing taken care of and how to overcome evil with good. There's several things I'm going to talk about this morning. And again, I will, I'm not going to be lengthy, but I want to give you some very good biblical principles. Let me make a few observations, first of all. First of all, this, the goal of our, our spiritual warfare or our spiritual lives is to become spiritually minded. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and 
peace. Now listen, when you get saved, the Bible says you're born again. You're a babe in Christ. Amen? You don't may not know a whole lot spiritually. You may start there. God does not expect us to stay there. Amen? Let me tell you what the Christian life's about. Growth. And one of the things we're trying to do, folks, is to become spiritually minded. Not carnally minded, spiritually minded. That's the goal. Second of all, we see this. To be spiritually minded is to emulate the mind of Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible is very specific on this. Take your Bibles, flip over a few books to the book of Philippians. Very famous passage of Scripture, but we're going to go to it and look at it because I'm going to tell you, we need these truths. Amen? Philippians chapter 2. We said the goal is to become spiritually minded. To be spiritually minded is to emulate the mind of Christ. You there? Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at a few verses here, Verse beginning in verse 5. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. By the way, you know what that's called? A command. Amen? A command. By the way, if you're saved, God has a right to tell you what to do. Amen? Just get over that, okay? No, it's not your life. It's God's life. It's not your mind. It's God's mind. So get over the fact, well, who's God think He is? He's God! Amen? And if He's saved, He's your Heavenly Father, and He has a right to tell you what to think about. Amen? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So here's the mindset, you ready? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You know what that's called? Divinity. Jesus Christ never laid aside the fact that He was God to come to this earth. He took on a different form, if you will, amen, as we're going to see that in just a minute, but He always has been and always will be God. Amen? And I'm going to tell you a real quick way to find out if a person is a part of a cult or not. Do they believe Jesus Christ is, was, and always will be very the very Son of God, God Himself? And if He's not, if they say He's not, then you know what? You better run as quick as you can away. Amen? By the way, JWs, Mormons, and on and on, uh, Muslims, on and on we can go, do not believe Jesus Christ is God. Amen? Alright? So it's not a matter of, well, as long as everybody's sincere, they're okay. No, they're not. Hell's going to be filled with sincere people, folks, but did not believe truth. Alright? Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Man, you talk about a mindset, amen? Jesus Christ knew who he was and was was, uh, uh, always going to be who he was as far as being God. But man, he humbled himself. It's a mindset of humility. It's a mindset of obedience, amen? It's a mindset of, of servitude. That's the mind of Christ. And you know what? We're to have that mindset. Has anyone ever asked you sometime, and maybe they, they, they ask your opinion about something, maybe they've asked you, hey, what do you think about that? And truth be told to the, image, the immature Christian, a question like that may appeal to their pride. So here's what a person will do. He searches his mind and emotions to see what he thinks, what he feels, and shares his opinion. And truth be told, a lot of people do that. Okay? But you know what, folks? May I give you a reality check? It's Who cares what you and I feel about it? Amen? What's important as a Christian is what God thinks about it. What Christ thinks about it. I mean, come on. Social media is ablaze every day with everybody seeking advice from each other. 
Well, what do you think I have for lunch today? Well, what color socks do you think I'd wear? I mean, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And it's like, you know, people just are so insecure with themselves, and they've got to live in this, this fake world because other people's opinions rule their lives. And that's reality, by the way. That's how a lot of people live. And everyone can't wait to give their opinion about every subject under the sun. Let me tell you what that is, folks. It's a magnet for fools and backsliders who believe their opinion is more important than what the Bible clearly teaches. Let me tell you what a mature Christian will do. They'll handle a situation differently. When asked their opinion about a matter, you know what they're going to say? It doesn't really matter what I think. Let's see what God and His Word has to say. That's mature spiritual thinking right there. The mind of Christ is a mind marked with humility. You know what our pride wants to do? Impress people with our opinion. That's what our pride wants to do. You know what humility does? Humility acknowledges that the wisdom of Christ is infinitely greater than the wisdom of men. And if we as Christians are going to be spiritually minded and emulate the mind of Christ, we must first deal with the sin of pride in our hearts. Amen? And that's why the Bible warns this in Colossians 2.18, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Again, folks, what are we talking about this morning? We're talking about biblical thinking patterns, emulating the mind of Christ. Are you going to overcome evil with good? Then we better get this thing figured out. Amen? We said the goal is to become spiritually minded. We said to be spiritually minded is to emulate the mind of Christ. How about this? Achieving the mind of Christ happens when you allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to renew your mind. What did we learn last week? But be ye transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. You know what that word renew means? I taught you last week. It means restored. Alright? The restoring of your mind. Hey, show me a Christian who learns to think biblically, spiritually, controlled by the Holy Spirit, and I'll show you a Christian who will not only not be overcome of evil, but will in turn be able to subdue, prevail, get the victory over evil. Amen? That's how important biblical thinking patterns are. So let's get right into this today, alright? Let me tell you exactly what the Bible tells us about how to have biblical thinking patterns or how to have the mind of Christ, alright? Again, the Bible has a lot to say. I'm going to give you four simple things in about 15 minutes, alright? So you listen fast, I'm preaching fast. Here we go. Number one, we need to have a disciplined mind. A disciplined mind. Here's what the Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 6. By the way, this command uh, is for all Christians, but isn't it interesting it's directed to a young man? Young men? Here's what the Bible says. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That word sober and sound come from the same root word. Both convey the same meaning. It means to be disciplined. It means self-control. Let me tell you what a disciplined mind does. It's able to place laser focus onto problems or or, or situations. It's not easily distracted. It focuses on problems and it focuses on solutions until the solution or problem is solved. It doesn't stop because it's hard. It doesn't waver because it gets fatigued. A disciplined mind is a focused mind. 
Now, when I was a teacher in the Christian school, you talk about trying to get kids to focus, amen? I mean, it was a constant uh, battle, if you will, to teach this to young people. But uh, two things we used to say, and uh, Pastor Ross used to teach us to try to teach the young people this. We would say these two words to young people, isolation and concentration. Isolation and concentration. And by that, we met this. Listen, you gotta isolate everything else. You gotta stop thinking about break time. You gotta stop thinking about lunch time. You gotta stop thinking about what you're doing after school. And you gotta isolate on what is right in front of you. Amen? And then once you isolate everything else, you must then have mental concentration to focus your mind to what it is that you're trying to do. Now, that's good advice for kids in a Christian school. That's also good advice for us today. Amen? I'm going to tell you, folks, we're talking about overcoming evil with good. And the devil wants to try to plant the wrong kind of thoughts in your mind. But if you isolate and concentrate, have a disciplined mind, you can control what does and doesn't come in your mind. One of the biggest lies, here's what the devil will feed. Well, you can't help what you think about. Lie, lie, lie. Somebody tells you that, start sniffing. There's brimstone somewhere close to that statement. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, it's not true. You can help what you think about. The Bible tells us we can. In 2 Corinthians, the verses that we've been going there in chapter 10, talks about how that we are to uh, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now what that means is this, all right? Sometimes a thought may try to attempt to enter your mind and you have the ability, God has made us this way, to filter out bad thoughts, negative thoughts, sinful thoughts, and not allow them to come into the deep recesses of our mind. That's the way God made us. You say, well, well, I can't figure that out yet. Well, here's the problem, folks. Uh, it's not a matter of you know uh, whether you can or can't. It's a matter of whether you're willing to or not. And if you'll discipline yourself and you'll have a sober mind, a sound mind, ask the Holy Spirit of God to help you, yes, you can. Amen? Here's another trick that will help you stay focused. You know, maybe uh, you're working on something and another project or problem comes to mind. Now, in order to not let it become a distraction, you know what, how about this? And by the way, sometimes this will happen. That happens to me all the time. I'm in the office working, and and I'll be doing something, and all of a sudden, what I'm working on reminds me of something else. Now, think, how much work would I get done if every time I thought about something else, I just just jump right to that? Okay, no, you know what a good thing to do is? Is, okay, maybe it comes to mind. Maybe you think about what needs to be done. Hey, write it down, set it to the side, Complete the task you're working on, and then go to the next task. Amen? Listen, folks, it really is that simple. It's that practical. All right? It's that practical. Amen? And so listen to me. If you're going to have scriptural thinking patterns, you must first have a disciplined mind. And by the way, this could this could be taken a lot deeper than what I'm taking it this morning. Again, remember what I said who this was written to? Young men. I'm going to tell you, folks, this is a wicked world we're living in. And there's things out there that the devil on purpose places that will corrupt you. By the way, how do things come into your mind? Two gates into the mind, right? What you see and what you hear. So that means i got to guard my eye gate, i got to guard my ear gate. And the devil will put things there to try to get you to look at things you shouldn't look at, listen to things you shouldn't listen to, and you got to guard against that stuff, amen? you got to be disciplined. All right? And by the way, here's what my pastor taught me. I love it. I say it all the time. I hope you get it. You may not be able to keep the bird from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. 
Okay? Maybe, you know what, living life, just doing what you normally do, there's going to be things, you know what, that, that's going to be there. But listen, just because it's there don't mean you have to uh, allow it to come down into your mind. You capture that thought. Or here's what I picture. Okay? Here's, here I am, all right? My weird mind games I play, all right? Not mani- ma- manipulative mind games, but here's what I do to help me. So if there's something, a thought, or, or something I see that's sinful, here's what I picture. I think of what my pastor taught me. Don't let the bird make a nest in your hair. And I literally picture myself with a shotgun, just like I'm shooting the clay pigeons, all right? Blowing that thing out of the air, but instead of being, uh, you know, bird shot in my shotgun, it's Scripture, amen? And I blast that thought with Scripture and rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood of Jesus Christ. And guess what? It's gone. Amen? Amen. It's that simple, folks. Come on. Why aren't we living this way as Christians? A disciplined mind. Number two, singleness of mind. Singleness of mind. James chapter 1, verse 8. Very famous passage of Scripture. Here's what the Scripture says. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man. So you know what that means? If you're not to be double-minded, what the opposite of double would be this? Single-minded. Right? The Bible warns about being double-minded. That word double-minded is defined as being two-spirited. It means this, vacillating between two opinions or purposes. Now, occasionally, this is a result of not having the peace of God of what to do in a situation. Here's, here's a wise piece of advice, all right? When in doubt, don't. If God wants you to do something specific, amen, He'll let you know about it. And if you're doubting what, especially especially when it comes to major life-changing decisions, okay? If you're in doubt, don't. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. God sometimes works through a process to get us to the point where He wants us to make decisions. And by the way, I think God does it that way to try our faith, to see our motive behind certain things. Why are we doing what we're doing? But listen to me, folks. If you're not quite for sure on something, you know what? Don't do it until you are for sure. Amen? It's sometimes wiser to wait for a clear leading of the Holy Spirit on a matter when there's no clear biblical right or wrong. For example, all right? I'll use these illustrations in my own life. Others could use these similar illustrations in their lives. I've told you the story before, but when God began working on my heart about leaving my life there and coming here, that was a big decision. And you know what? I wanted to make sure that was God telling me and I wasn't being influenced by any other reason. And you know, it took a few months to get the 100% leading of what God wanted me to do. You know what it took? It took some prayer. It took some fasting. It spent some night out under the stars praying, asking God, Lord, what do you want? God, I want your will in this area. And you know what? After seeking the Lord, He revealed to me. And then as soon as He gave me the green light, baby, it was full speed ahead. Amen? Now listen to me though, I had to make sure it was God. Now listen folks, I'm not talking about things where the Scripture gives a clear command against. By the way, God doesn't need to tell you yes or no if the Bible already says yes or no on the matter. He doesn't need to tell you that. Well, I'm just trying to decide, you know, I mean, you know, should I, you know, should I go out drinking with my buddies? You know, I mean, is that something I, I mean, it may not be the best, but you know, maybe if I go out with them, then I might be able to influence them and reach them. Now, I know that sounds crazy and ridiculous, but you'd be surprised how many carnal Christians have thinking patterns just like that. Listen, folks, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to wonder about it. The Bible gives clear command not to do stuff like that. So you don't need God to speak to you. He's already spoken to you. It's in the King James Bible. Amen? You've got to have singleness of mind. 
Here's what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says this, to prove all things. 1 Timothy chapter uh, 2 verse 15, study to show thyself to prove unto God. And let me tell you something, sometimes folks, listen to me, you've got to get the mind of God to figure out what He wants you to do on something. I'm going to tell you though, you need to be single-minded because double-mindedness will not just create unstableness in that area you're trying to make a decision in. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in how? All his ways. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I know a person right now who's the most double-minded person I've ever met in my life. Everything about their life is double-minded. By the way, supposedly, you know what? Wanted to, you know, raise their family in church. Supposedly wanted to live a life that pleases God. But you know what? They were so double-minded in everything they did. Guess what? Not only has their life been kind of swirled around, they're not in church today. You know why? Double-mindedness. Amen? And so listen to me, folks. you got to have single-mindedness. And that comes as a result of knowing what the Bible says and walking with God, being led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Number three, how about this? A teachable mind. A teachable mind. Acts chapter 17. Listen to this, these verses here. And for, again, sake of time, I'm not going to read everything. But let me just read uh, the, the point I'm trying to make. It says this. These were more noble, talking about the Christians in the city of Berea. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And not that they received the word in that, they received the word with all, here it is, readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. And if you study that chapter, you find Paul and Silas were in the city of Berea. And they were delighted by the mindset of the people they preached to there. You know why? Because these people received the preaching of Bible truth with all, I love that phrase, readiness of mind. Amen? Readiness of mind. They were cheerful about it. They had a willingness and enthusiastic expectation for the preaching of the Word of God. In short, you know what that meant? They had a teachable mind. They wanted to know what God had to say to them. They didn't have a proud, cocky attitude. Well, well, who do that Paul and Silas think they are? Who are they to come in here and tell us anything? That was not their mindset. Now, it's interesting because it does not mean that they just bobbleheaded everything Paul and Silas did. Because the Bible says this, they searched the Scriptures daily whether those things were so. Let me tell you how people get carried off into false doctrine. Let me tell you how people start drinking the Kool-Aid of false teaching and false cults. You know why? Because some leader gets up and starts, who's charismatic, who, who sounds good, has the ability to kind of enchant people a little bit, and people don't know the Scripture, they don't know truth, and they're blindly led as a sheep to the slaughter. Let me tell you what, what, what's a good relationship between pastor and church members and church members and pastor. Hey, you know what you ought to be doing? Searching the Scriptures daily to see if what I'm saying is so. I don't encourage you not to have a relationship with the Bible. I encourage you on a daily basis to have a relationship with the Bible. You know why? Because if you know the Bible, and I know the Bible, and I'm getting up here preaching something, and I start saying some bizarre, off-the-cuff stuff, immediately the Holy Spirit's going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not scriptural. And you know what? You're going to know. And here's what I say. You as a congregation need to hold me accountable to the Word of God. Now listen, from time to time I'm going to have a different opinion. 
And if it's an opinion, I'll tell you it's an opinion. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not up here preaching opinion. I'm preaching truth. Amen? Amen. And if it's going to be opinion, if it's a little riserology, I'll tell you it's going to be. Amen? I'll give you a disclaimer. And I'll say, wait a minute. Just as Paul did, I'll say, listen, this is, let me just tell you my opinion about this. All right. And then you can take it or leave it. But when it comes to scripture, folks, if you don't, if you disagree with what I'm preaching from the Bible, your problem's not with me. It's with God. Amen. I'm going to tell you, you need to have a teachable mind when it comes to the things in the spiritual life. Why do you think God set the church up the way he did? He did that. Because he can have then, he's the chief shepherd, the pastor's the under-shepherd, to teach the people and help the people and lead the people. Amen? That's God's plan. You know what we need to do as Christians? Have a teachable mindset. A teachable mindset. Again, we could go a lot further, but I'm not going to. And then last of all, let me give you the last thing is this. A determined mind. A determined then. Don't miss this. Take your Bible. You should be close anyway. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Man, this is good. Don't miss this, because this is what's going to determine whether or not you're going to be in it for the long haul or not. A determined mindset. Notice what the Bible says, Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Either were already perfect... But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, what Paul is trying to say there is this. Listen to me. I haven't arrived yet. What he's saying. I haven't arrived yet. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to reach the goal, but I'm not there yet. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Again, listen, Paul was saying, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not where I need to be yet. I haven't got it. I haven't apprehended yet. I don't consider myself to have arrived in all manner of authority. That's what Paul's saying here. But this one thing I do, amen, forgetting those things which are behind, uh, reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be Perfect. Now don't get nervous. That don't mean sinless. That means spiritually mature. Complete. Amen. Let us therefore as be perfect. Ready? Be thus minded. Did you see it? Be thus minded. And if anything uh, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this even unto you. You know what that's called there? And you start reading about in the book of Philippians and the Apostle Paul's life. That's called a determined mindset. A determined mindset. By the way, this mindset is bathed in humility. Humility. Paul did not see himself as, as having attained, alright? He readily admits that he hadn't arrived and was not the perfect or complete uh, example in everything, alright? He says that here, alright? But he does say this, I love this, he plainly admits the fact that, yes, even though I have a way to go, even though I have much to learn, but there's one thing I do. Notice the shift in his tone here. What is that one thing Paul says? Listen to me. I may not have arrived spiritually, but let me tell you what God's doing. This is the mindset. What is it? Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know what that's called, folks? A determined mindset. You know what? He knew he'd made mistakes, but he also, what else he knew? He wasn't going to quit. He wasn't going to allow the mistakes of his past to keep him from completing the mission of his future. 
He had a long journey ahead, but he wasn't going to stop. He knew he hadn't apprehended, but he knew he was not going to stop uh, being what God wanted him to be. Despite his past mistakes, despite his present state, despite how hard the future might be, he was determined in his mind to keep doing one thing, and that was pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And then you know what he does? He challenges us to have the same mindset. The same mindset. Folks, listen to me. There's no substitute for a determined mind. No substitute. Now listen to me. You've got to make up your mind as a Christian that you're not going to quit on God. By the way, the going's going to get tough. Jesus never promised a, a walk in the park in the Christian life. In fact, what He promised us? Eternal life and a cross to bear. That's what He promised us. Oh, you're going to like the end result. But guess what? There's a journey between here and there, and you're going to have to pick up a cross. By the way, what's a cross? A death instrument? Death instrument? Death to self? Death to our will? And yes, even if it means physical death. That's what he's talking about, amen? Amen. Listen, pick it up. But listen to me, have a determined mindset. You're going to finish. You're not going to miss God's high calling on your life, and you're not going to turn your back on Jesus Christ. Have that determined mindset. I love uh, the book of Ruth. For sake of time, I'm not going to have you turn there. But the story of Ruth is a phenomenal story. And Ruth, of course, just quick background, uh, she was not a Israeli by birth. In fact, she was a Moabitess. And, uh, man, th- that was a wicked nation, by the way, where, where the ne- uh, nation of Moab came from. The result of that wicked, ancestral relationship between Lot and his own daughter, Nation of Moab, and Ruth was part of that heathen nation. The the nation of Moab worshipped a false god called called uh, uh, Chemosh, and they would literally sacrifice their children to this false god. That was a part of who she came from. So, by the way, you know what? If Ruth could make it, what's our stinking excuse? Yep. Right. But yet God was working in Ruth's life, and God and she had a mother-in-law named Naomi. And through uh, through circumstances, Naomi died. Her sons died, and Naomi knew she had to get back to where the uh, where God had originally uh, where she was from, and that was Bethel. Amen. That was the land of Israel. That's where God was at. And Naomi uh, had another daughter-in-law named Orpha. And she uh, came to Ruth and Orpha and said, listen, I'm going back, and uh, you go back to your land, you go back to your family, you go back to your gods. And Orpha said, okay, I'm gone, and left just like that. But notice what Ruth said, her testimony, entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. Notice this, for whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Whither thou diest, will I die. Whither there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. You know what that's called? A determined mindset, no matter what it costs to follow God and His plan. Amen? You show me a Christian with that kind of determination to serve God, and I'll show you a Christian that's going to be in it for in a long haul, and I'll show you a Christian who won't just not be overcome of evil, but will overcome evil with good. Amen? Now listen, is there, ask yourself this question. Is there a deep recess of your mind? Is there a place within that deep recess that you still ponder leaving God's will for your life? Is there a secret place in the corner of your mind where the world still holds some allure to you? 
Have you placed some conditions on whether or not you're going to stay in church all your life? You find yourself mentally plotting your escape, young people, into this world? I mean, is there some Demases thinking about uh, uh, forsaking uh, the, the will of God for the love of this present world? Isn't it time to just deal with that, amen? Isn't it time just to leave that in an old-fashioned altar? Isn't it time to say goodbye to that mindset and have a determined mindset? And just as the song goes that we sing around here, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I'm going to tell you, you decide to have that mindset, you live that kind of that kind of life. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, there's no life like living that life. Last week I preached about, part of our message was about the importance of living within the will of God. And again, I say it again, I echo it again, one of the biggest lies, again, one of the biggest lies Satan tells is that somehow if you live for God and serve God and live within the will of God, you're somehow missing out on something. The biggest lie ever, amen? I'm going to tell you something, folks. God's way, God's will is best. But I'm going to tell you this. It takes the right mindset to make it be successful. You've got to have the right mindset. Amen? And again, you must, as a Christian, have a disciplined mind, singleness of mind, teachable mind, determined mind. I'm going to tell you, you have that kind of mindset, you're going to be overcoming some evil. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you.